Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And on today's episode, we're going to just talk about what goals should you be investing for? And it's kind of a weird question because if everyone's ever asked you, if a financial planner's ever asked you, what are your goals? You know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like, I don't know. I don't have just goals taped over my mirror of what I'm investing for. And that's kind of the common thing that we think of when we think of goals. So in today's episode, what I want to do is I want to almost reframe how we think about goals first and foremost. Number two, I want to just walk through some common goals that I see most people planning for, maybe some things to think about, because it really doesn't need to be all that complicated when it comes down to it. And then number three, I want to talk about why it matters. And it probably matters for a different reason than you might be thinking. So let's jump into it. What goals should you be investing for? Now, again, goals is kind of this weird term. Like I said, it's not you don't necessarily have this life plan goals built out for your investment portfolio. And if you do, great. I'll, I'll, more power to you. But if not, don't think of goal as something like that. Think of goal as just what are you investing for? What's important to you? What what values do you have? What are the things that you want to make sure that you're on track to be able to accomplish? That's really what we want to be thinking of. And some common ones, number one, the biggest one is, is probably just retirement. And really, I encourage people not to think of retirement in the sense of at what point are you completely done working? It's really more of a sense of financial freedom or financial independence. Let's invest to get you to a position where if you love working, then awesome. By all means, keep doing it, but you don't have to continue to do it for a paycheck. You're doing it for some other reason other than just the financial benefits at that point. So retirement slash financial freedom is a good goal that a lot of people invest for. It's just something that's important to them, something that they want to be able to accomplish over time. Number two, maybe it's saving for college for kids or grandkids. This is a common goal that I see people wanting to invest for whether it's sending your own children to college, whether maybe it's planning for grandchildren or future grandchildren to be able to go to college, that's something that's important to a lot of people. Number three, home purchase. So this, depending upon what stage of your life you're in, this could look a little bit different. Maybe when you're a little bit younger, it's you're you're planning for your first home purchase. Maybe when you're a little bit older or nearing retirement, it could be downsizing, it could be moving out of state, but really just understanding where do you ultimately want to live And how does that tie into the way that you save or you invest for that goal? Number four, legacy. So maybe you've done well with retirement savings and you are financially independent and you've sent kids and grandkids through college and you have the home that you want to be in, but legacy is very important to you. And being able to pass what you've worked hard for onto future generations, that is another goal. And then really the fifth is kind of a catch-all. It's just other, miscellaneous. It could be your dream car. It could be a vacation home. It could be a boat. It could be just something that's really important to you that doesn't fit within the, the main four pillars of the other goals I just talked through. So reframe thinking of goals just in terms of what do you want to be able to accomplish? If you fast forward 10 years or 20 years from now, what does a successful outcome look like for you? What have you been able to accomplish? When you envision those things, whether it's the house that you're in or the financial freedom and what that looks like or sending your children or grandchildren to college, when you envision a successful outcome, those things, those should be your goals. So let's now talk through why that's important. And the first reason it's important is kind of the most obvious. So if you don't have a goal, if you don't know what your your goal is, well, you really have no idea if you're on track or not. 
So this is this applies to everything. This isn't just finance. This could be health goals. This could be career goals. This could be relationship. Whatever it is, set a goal so that you know if you're tracking for it or not. That's the first thing. If you have a goal of retiring in 10 years, what you can start to do is put a plan in place of, okay, I need to save X amount per year and I need to achieve X percent rate of returns and I need to do, you fill in the blank to be on track for your goal. And then each year you can start to track that to see, are you doing the things that you need to do in the short term to accomplish the goals that you have in the long term? That's the first reason. The secondary reason and, and an equally important reason and the thing I think people most often don't think of when it comes to this is setting goals also helps you determine the right savings or investment strategy. And setting goals helps you to determine the right savings or investment strategy. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you're saving for a new car in 12 months. Well, if you if you have a purchase that's just 12 months away, you're probably just going to put that money in cash. You're not going to invest it. You know, the, the market, it goes up three out of four years on average, but why even risk it going down with such a short time frame until you want to accomplish that goal? And even if you did invest for that, the growth, you wouldn't have long enough for your money to compound to even be worth it. For example, if you saved $300 per month because you wanted to purchase a new car in 12 months, and let's just say that's the amount you needed for simplicity. If you save $300 per month and it grows by 8% per year on an annualized basis, well, that money grew to $3,734 12 months later. So you put in $3,600 and you had $134 of growth. So really nothing that exciting. The, the growth that you got from that, it really didn't make any type of a dent in terms of how much you'd have available to make that car purchase. Now on the flip side, the risk of that is if you saved up that 3,600 and then the market dropped, that could wipe out a much greater portion of the savings that you had. So that's why if you're saving for a short-term goal, something a year away, a couple years away, even three years away, it just really doesn't make a lot of sense to invest it. The return you're going to get isn't worth the potential risk in doing so. Now let's compare that to another goal. So that was looking at buying a new car in 12 months. But let's assume that you just had a grandchild that was born and you want to save money over the next 18 years to be able to help send your grandchild to college. Well, let's take that $300 per month that we just used in that last example. But now let's apply that to a college savings account. And let's assume that you save that same $300 per month, but you do so for 18 years. Well, now if you do that, that money is going to grow to $144,000 if it still grows by that 8% per year that we talked about. What that means is that you put in about $43,000 into your investment account. That's your own contributions. And there's over $100,000 of growth on the money you put in. So the difference there is you've really given compounding time to work itself out. Not to mention that there are going to be some ups and downs along the way. The market will drop, not once, not twice, probably a few times, several times over the course of the 18 years. But unlike the car example, where you definitely need that money in 12 months, well, with college, you didn't need that money for quite some time. So you could ride out some of the ups and downs, all while giving your money time to grow for you. And by doing that, you earned over $100,000 in this example by putting your money to work for you. So why does this matter? Well, this matters because when you understand what your goal is, not just stopping at, I want to buy a car, or I want to send my child or grandchild to college, but give a time horizon to your goal, that's really going to help to dictate how you should either save or invest or not invest for that goal. In the car example, it doesn't make sense to invest because your time horizon is one year. You need that money in 12 months. Not worth it. With college, though, instead of just saying, oh, I want to send my kid to college, but it's I want to send my kid to college in 18 years, or I want to send my grandchild to college in 18 years, or 10 years, or 15 years, or however long out it is, 
What that helps you to back into is it helps you to understand, should I save this money in just a savings account where it's safe and not going to get any growth, but it's also not going to go down with the market versus should I put that money into an investment account that's going to work for me? So let's go through each of those five goals that I mentioned at the beginning. Again, these might not be your exact goals, but they're very common. They're, they're somewhat universal goals, but just apply them to yourself. And let's go through each of those to take a look at what the goal is, how far away it might be, and how that should dictate your investment strategy or saving strategy to be on track for that. So let's start with retirement. Now, this is going to really depend upon how far away are you from retirement. And if you haven't listened to it yet, episode 28 talks about when should you start making some adjustments to your portfolio? You know, as you get close to retirement, how, how far out should you begin making some tweaks to get more conservative? So if you haven't listened to that yet, that's episode number 28. This is episode number 30. So just a couple episodes ago. But really, my starting point, and everyone's a little bit different on this, but my thought is 10 years out from needing money, not necessarily from retiring, but 10 years out from needing money from your portfolio, that's when you should start thinking about getting more conservative in your investment portfolio. You could make the case before that to be 90 to 100% in stocks, depending on your personal risk tolerance. So again, this is not going to be universal recommendations to everyone because this is very different for everyone based upon your goals and your personal comfort level with taking that risk. But before 10 years out, you could make the case to be 90 to 100% in stocks before that point. But what it comes down to is as you get closer to retirement, again, 10 years out or so, 10 to 15 years out, depending on your personal comfort level, that's when you start wanting to make some adjustments to gradually get a little bit more conservative as you approach retirement. Now, here's the interesting thing about retirement, though. We talked about the car example just a few minutes ago. If you're saving for a car and you need that money in 12 months, well, that's a finite time period. You're saving for 12 months and then you're going to liquidate that savings account and you're going to go use it to purchase a car. Well, retirement's not quite the same, but people think of it the same way. They approach retirement as if the day that you retire is the end point. I mean, okay, this is the day that I'm investing for. This is the day I've been planning for. This is what I've been saving money to my 401k my whole life for. And they, they approach it as if at that point you should be totally conservative because now you're living off that money. Well, the reality is the day that you retire is not the end point. That's more of like the starting point. That's the beginning of what potentially could be a 20, 30 plus year retirement. Why does that matter? Well, that matters because if you still have 20 to 30 years to go of needing income from your portfolio, you don't want that money to be super conservative, too conservative at the beginning because you're just going to start losing out to inflation. So you have to understand, yes, your goal started. You reached your goal, but that goal isn't a finite time that goal really is going to expand or it's going to last over 10, 20, 30 plus years, depending on when you're retiring and life expectancy and all that. So because of that, even when you're retired, in many cases, on average, you'll still have an allocation to stocks somewhere between 50 to 75%. Again, this is totally unique to each person. Sometimes it's lower, sometimes it's higher, but that's kind of a common place that I see of, yes, you want to know how far out are you from retirement. That's going to dictate how you should be invested today as you get closer to that point. But even in retirement, you're still going to maintain an allocation to stocks. So that's how you think about your retirement goal. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because it's going to give shape to how you should invest leading up to retirement. And it's going to give shape to how you invest in retirement. Second goal, let's now look at home purchase. The first thing that you want to ask yourself is when are you going to be in a position to buy a home? That's going to depend upon several different factors. Number one is what's going to cost to buy the home that you want to buy. Number two, how much money do you have today that you could earmark towards that home purchase? Number three, how much could you save to your save home savings account? And that's just going to give you a sense of when might you be in a position to afford a home. 
Start with that because then that's going to show you how far out are you from being able to do that. Again, whether this is your first home, whether this is a retirement home, whether this is a second home or a vacation home, it's all going to be the same ultimately when determining what should you do, how should you approach that from a savings or investment standpoint. In general, I already mentioned in, in general, if it's if you have a short time horizon until you need your need that money, you probably don't want to invest it. You want to keep it in savings so it's protected. The longer that you have, the more and more you can build a case to invest that money because you're going to give compounding time to work and downturn the market today or even next year or the year after won't hurt you as much because you'll still have time to recover. So with home purchase, the first question is how far out are you from being able to make that purchase? And everyone has absolutely different opinions on this. And this is absolutely different and and specific to the individual person. But in general, if you have five plus years until you need that money, you could make the case. I'm not saying it's right for you because this is going to be very different for everyone. You could potentially make the case to invest it under very specific circumstances. Again, this is just my opinion, not a recommendation. A lot of people would give pushback on that saying that's way too short of a time period. You shouldn't even think of it. And, And in many cases, they have valid points to that. So here's my logic with this. There's two ways that you could be saving for a home. If you have a lump sum of money, let's say you have $100,000 that you're gonna use to buy a home, but you don't wanna spend that money for five years versus another person who's saying, I don't have anything set aside for a home, but I wanna start saving aggressively. I wanna start putting a few thousand dollars away each month to save for a home. Well, even though they both might have a five-year time horizon, theoretically, I would give different feedback to each of those investors. And here's why. If you have a lump sum that you want to just invest one time and then pull it all out when you want to go buy a home, that can be a much riskier place than not starting with anything, but gradually putting money into the market to build up. Here's why. Well, the stock market, if the stock market were to take a dip today, it could take five years or more to fully recover. So if you put all of your money in an investment account today, the stock market drops for the next year or two, it could take a few years to recover, meaning five years from now, you could have less in your portfolio than you started with. So that would be a case against investing it if you wanted to be certain that you were still going to have that money five years from now and that that money was going to be at least worth as much or even more. That could be a reason to avoid investing. But if you're that person in the other example where you're not starting with anything, but you're gradually saving, well, if there's a downturn in the market in that first year or two of investing, that's almost the best possible thing for you. You know, as the stock market's going down and you're putting a couple thousand, a few thousand dollars per month into it, if you're still a few years away from needing that money, you might welcome that experience. It's going to be much less risky for you because as it goes down this month, you're putting more money in. Then it goes down more the next month, you put more money in. Then the next month and the next month and the next month and more money, more money, more money. Well, what you're doing is you're continuing to buy the market at lower and lower points so that it, when it does recover, you recover with it. And the, the, the purchases that you made at the bottom or in the downturns, those then ride the wave on the way up. Unlike the other example where you started with a lump sum of 100,000, well, that dipped, you didn't add any money to it, and you started to dig your way out of the hole, and it could potentially take a lot longer to get there. So this is where it can be very unique to ha- not only what's your time frame for needing the money, but also are you saving consistently into the investment account that you have, or are you starting with a lump sum? And more than anything, this is just going to come down to your personal risk tolerance. So in general, if you have five to 10 plus years until you need that money, that's where you can make a case to invest it. If you have fewer than three years, I would absolutely not recommend investing it. Four to five years, that's very much gray area, as is even five to 10. So again, I know that I'm being a little wishy-washy here because there's so many different circumstances that this could apply to, and it's going to be very different 
based upon time horizon, based upon your personal risk tolerance, and based upon many other different things. But in general, if you have five plus years to go, you could consider investing it, but also know that investing doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's not like, okay, I'm either 100% cash or 100% in the stock market. You could consider investing, but maybe in a more conservative portfolio, maybe 30 or 40% in stocks with the other 60 to 70% in more conservative funds that ideally would go up if the stock market goes down. So that, again, is why it's helpful to understand what's your time horizon for this and what's your method of saving for this, because that will give direction and shape to your investment strategy. Let's now talk about the next goal, children's college or grandchildren's college. Well, in many ways, this is similar to your home purchase decision. If it's really going to come down to what's the time horizon for you needing these funds, and it's also going to come down to are you regularly making contributions to these accounts or is it just a one-time lump sum? But the difference is this, is there's not necessarily that, that same finite time horizon for it. You know, when you need a home, well, you're pulling all your money out at once for that down payment. Well, with college, it's typically going to be four years, sometimes longer, maybe sometimes fewer if there's a couple years at community college or something, something like that. So why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you have, say, a grandchild that's 12 and they need that money when they turn 18, well, that's six years that you have. So could you consider investing? Yes, still somewhat in that gray area of your, your investment account could be down in six years with the stock market, but you could make the case. And let's just, just, just assume for the sake of example, you go ahead and invest that money. Well, let's assume that the market does terribly over the next six years and you invest the money at your grandchild's age 12 and they're now 18 and it's time for their first tuition payment and you're kicking yourself because the market's down. Well, you're not necessarily beholden to use your college savings money right at that time. You know, if you have other resources or if there's other savings accounts or other income sources that you could use to pay that, the nice thing is there's also going to be a tuition payment due next semester and the year after and the year after and the year after. So understanding that also gives you a little bit more flexibility when saving for college because you don't have one definite date when you need all the funds you have a span of about four years or so, and you can be very intentional about when you start to pull those funds out. So to me, this helps you build the case. If you want to be slightly more aggressive with college savings, given the time horizon until freshman year starts, I think that's okay. Because again, you don't have to have all the funds available. You don't have to count on that growth by that first date. You have a few years to go after that. All right. So that was retirement, home purchase, and college. Next, let's talk about legacy. So legacy planning, this is something that becomes important. And most people start to think about this once they funded their own financial freedom, their own financial independence, once they've sent kids through college and grandkids through college, once they've, they're in the home that they want to be in, what you start to think about isn't so much, are you going to be okay? Because you know that you've met your needs. It's how do you start thinking about legacy for future generations? If this is part of what you want to do. So legacy could be future generations. It could be charity. It could be church. It could be really anything you want to ultimately pass your funds to when you're no longer here. Now, this one's important and it's going to come down to who are you investing for? Because let's assume that you're retired. Let's assume you're 75 years old. Well, if we do that, we're probably going to assume that you have a fairly conservative portfolio for your own needs. So the portfolio that you're withdrawing on to meet your, your spending needs, that's probably going to be fairly conservative given your age and just given what you need from your portfolio. But if you're thinking about investing for kids or grandkids or have a desire to leave a legacy to a charity, that part of your portfolio could look very different. That part of your portfolio could actually be very aggressive in terms of how much you have in stocks and bonds, because while that might look wildly inappropriate for a 75-year-old, when we take a step back and realize this part of your portfolio isn't for you, it's yes, it's for you, but it's for you in terms of your legacy goals, 
then we can take an eye towards, okay, what are we investing this for? And let's assume you're investing it for a child or a grandchild. Well, they do not have goals that look anything like yours. They have a much longer time horizon. So because of that, that's where it makes sense to look at what they might need it for or what you might want to use those funds for to pass on to future generations. And that's where you could consider investing in a portfolio that's more aggressive than your own retirement portfolio because you don't need it for your retirement. It's excess funds. It's funds that you want to use for different purposes. So again, this is why understanding what is your goal, what's important to you, what is the purpose of these funds is crucially important because as you've seen so far, whether it's retirement or home purchase or college or legacy, that's going to really dictate how you should invest or save in each of those accounts. And then finally, other goals. So whether this is, like I said, second home, boat, dream car, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want to do. Those goals, there's, it's not going to be one size fits all, but what you want to focus on is what's the time horizon, what's your risk tolerance, and what's your ability to be flexible. And here's what I mean by being flexible. Let's say that you're investing for vacation home. Well, this is very, this would be very similar to our home purchase discussion of, do you have a definite time until you need it? Let's say you need it in five years. Well, then the same logic would apply in terms of how should you invest those funds. But if you can, if you can be flexible of, yes, you know, one day I want to own a vacation home, but I don't have any definite goals and I can be flexible. You know, it might be in five years, it might be in three years, it might be in 10 years. Well, depending upon your level of flexibility, the more flexible you can be, the more you can afford to be invested aggressively because you don't need those funds in a definite way. You know, you don't need those funds in exactly three years or five years or whatever it is. If the funds happen to be down because the market's down and you're comfortable with that, well, then you can say, you know what? This isn't the year to buy the vacation home. I'm going to wait until this comes back. And assuming that you're comfortable with both the ups and downs and both and also comfortable with being flexible, then that's where that's an additional factor that's added in of time horizon, risk tolerance, and also your ability to be flexible. So that's it for today's episode. Just to summarize real quick, goals are important to set, not just because it helps you understand are you on track or not, but because it helps you to decide how should you invest or save for that goal? How do you align your portfolio with what you're ultimately trying to accomplish? So we looked at retirement, we looked at college, we looked at home purchase, legacy, and then kind of a catch-all other box we looked at. And those are the common goals that I see everyone have. I shouldn't say everyone, but I see most people have. You're unique, you're different, you might have different goals, but my guess is these are going to apply to you and cover most of the things that you think are important about your life and your portfolio as well. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much as always for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.